begun, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. There's no way in this world I can cover all this, these notes tonight I, or this morning. I knew that when I was writing them. Well, I'm going to let you take them home and look them up and try to uh, comment on some of them that they give you somewhat of a thrust. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 14. Follow peace. The word there means to pursue it. Pursue carefully. Um, seek after eagerly. When you got, when you're, how many have ever pursued something? Besides your wife, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> you go after them eagerly. It's, it's a goal. It's something that you have set your mind and your heart on. That's what the thought is here. Pursue peace. And that's not just a state of tranquility. It's a, the Lord Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not the peace of the world, because the peace of the world is circumstantial. When everything's going all right, hey, we're peaceful. But God's peace is that which is settled and peaceful within your mind and in your heart when everything else around you is going to havoc. Okay? His peace is not circumstantial. His peace is eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we have his peace, it doesn't matter what's going on around us, we can still be in peace. Thank you, Lord God. Follow peace or pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. That word to see is to be revealed to. What allows us to be able to see the Lord and be, have him reveal himself to us is, what is the qualification? Holiness, and without which, no man can see God. Well, you say, well, I can't be holy. Well, if he said you can, you can, because every time he speaks something as a command in our lives, he gives us the ability to do what he's commanded to do. I love that about the Lord. He says, be in peace. Okay? I'll give you the ability to be at peace because I'll put my peace within you. Hallelujah. He never requires us to do something that he's not, will uh, enable us or give us the grace, the divine ability to do it. Okay? Everybody understand that? Blessed be his name. Looking diligently, lest any man fall or fall short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness spring up and, uh, and trouble you, and thereby defile many, uh, translation says, defile many. 
that root of bitterness. Like Esau. Esau, Jacob and Esau both were not really spiritual men. They were connivers. They were very soulish, very worldly. They were out for what was best for them and nobody else. But only God could take someone like that and change them. Jacob is a perfect, his name means deceiver, or uh, actually it means one who trips up. He was always a uh, conniver. Only, that's what his name meant, and, they, and he lived up to his name. He tricked Esau out of his birthright and so forth. We touched on that a few weeks ago. But only God could take a Jacob, a conniver, or one that would trip up and change him to such a, such a nature change that God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means prince with God. So I don't care what, how, what you start out as. I don't care what your name is to begin with, what your nature is to begin with. We have a God that delights in changing natures. Hallelujah. He's in the, can I say it this way? He's in the nature-changing business. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. So whatever your nature is, is, he takes that on as a challenge to change you. Bless God that he does. I thank the Lord that he doesn't write anybody off. Even those that don't think they want to know him. He still has his hand outstretched and said, come unto me. Come here. I'll take your storm and give you peace. I'll change your heart and make it one that I can ride on. Take your heart of stone that's hard against God and independent of God and change it as my child to be one that can be conformed to my image. Blessed be his holy name. But Jake, uh, Esau sold his birthright because he didn't, and as I explained before, his birthright had several facets to it. it was, he was the oldest, so he was to have the birthright, which meant they were twins, but he was born first. They were fraternal twins, for sure, because Esau was hairy and Jacob wasn't. But anyway, he didn't, he despised his birthright, the Word of God says. The birthright was, in fact, that he would have a double portion of the inheritance from his father, from Isaac, 
which, because he was also to take care of his mother and father. So he got a double, was going to get a double portion. He was also to be the priest of the household and the head of the household. Okay? But he despised that. And he sold it for some lentil soup because he said, I'm hungry. I'm going to die if I don't eat, eat something. He wasn't going to die. It was just his lust for that. And says, what good is my birthright if I die? That's how little he cherished it. We have to be careful that we don't disregard God's purpose and desire for us and despise his dealing and, his, and what he has done for us already. Pastor Clark mentioned the fact that if all God had done for him to this point, if he didn't do anything else, he'd still serve him for, for all that he had done, for giving his life so we could have the forgiveness of sins. That all of our sins that we have accomplished all through our lives, when we confess our sins, he takes and he wipes them away. There's no longer... I love the, the paradox that there is that one of the, God's nature is that he's omniscient. He knows everything. But he chooses, when we ask him and ask him to forgive us of our sins, he chooses to wipe them away and forget them. That God that can never forget anything chooses to forget our sins. Now think about that for a little bit. And we can come to him and say, Lord, I, 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 have, I sinned this again. And he said, what are you talking about? You may have done it now, but I'll remember the again. One of the examples is that he has taken all that was written against us and he has wiped it clean. There's nothing, that piece of paper that had all that your list of sins has nothing on it. He wiped it clean. There is no record, not even in his mind. Blessed be his holy name. That's our precious Savior. That's the God who we serve. That's the love that he has toward us. Blessed be his name. I've said this for several weeks, but the Holy Spirit just keeps putting it on my heart. It says, we have to be careful not to sacrifice that which is eternal. Jesus' sanctification that produces righteousness. His sanctification is the cleansing process within our lives where he begins to remove sin after sin and desire, unholy desire after unholy desire because we choose to let him do that. See, he won't do anything unless we give him permission. God will not force himself. Just think about it. The one who spoke everything in the being, the almighty one, doesn't force himself on his human race. His crowning of creation, he says, they make a choice whether to serve me or not to serve me. 
said, I put before you a choice, life and death. Then he says, choose life. He's the only, he's the only teacher I know of that gives you a test and then gives you the answer. Choose life. Blessed be his name. Don't sacrifice. Be careful not to sacrifice that which is eternal. Jesus is sanctification that produces righteousness in our lives on the altar of momentary fleshly desires. Don't blow it. But I still love the fact that he says, if you sin, you have an advocate. You have a defense attorney. It comes before the Father and says, they've asked forgiveness, Father. Forgive them. I don't know about you, but that makes me not want to do things that I'm not supposed to. Because he loves me so much that I wouldn't, to the best of my ability in decision-making, not purposely do something that's against him. Doesn't mean I can't. Because we all can. But if we do, remember that's what it starts with, if you sin. He didn't say when you sin, expecting you to, but if you do. See the difference in the direction of that? Blessed be his name. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. And this is maybe as far as we get today. I'm not sure. Starting at verse 1, 1 through 17. If we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Brother Clark mentioned there's a definite article there in the Greek that's not in the English. It says, the Christ. Actually, if he said, if we be risen with the Christ, seek those things which are above, where the Christ sitteth at the right hand of the God. He kind of narrows it down. It's just not anything, not any idol, not any stone image. It is the God, the one and only God, the God that's above every God that that we would make, that man would try to make up and raise up as being God. So we have, we have a, you know, we may not physically bow down to stone idols and so forth, though some do. But we can raise up things that we hold in greater esteem than we do God. And that's a definition of an idol. If we, we would serve that over, make a decision for that as opposed to not because God said not to, or he, and I'm not saying he's going to say, Marta, don't do that. But there's a still small voice that says, Marta, do you really want to do that? I don't understand what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Well, we all have, dear. We all still there. Do you really want to get angry, so angry that you can't see straight? Or do you want me to work it out for you. 
The Word of God tells us that if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. The psalmist tells us that. Condition, if a man or a woman's ways please the Lord. What that tells me is that he will fight our battles for us. He will go before us and follow behind us. So he'll be against all the, the enemy's forces that are coming here and won't allow the enemy come behind us. That's a pretty good deal. He's the keeper. He set his angels in charge round about us. Blessed be his name. Set your affections. Here's the command. It means you set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. That's our choice. Where's our heart? Where's the direction of our being? What, 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 are, what are we holding in affection that may not be godly? Set your affections on things above. It doesn't have to be sinful, but it can be earthly. Well, there are things on the earth that you can do that aren't necessarily sinful, but they are not that which furthers the kingdom of God in your life. Wydell and I like to watch Tigers game. We were there Friday night when they did a squeaker <laughs> against Baltimore. We were, they didn't win it or didn't go ahead until the eighth inning. We we're going, oh, God. <laughs> I was. She wasn't. She was just, ah! <laughs> We were with her uh, nephew and his family. But see, that's, there's a, anything, we can get caught up in anything and allow it to become something that comes in front of the purposes of God for our lives. We can be so busy that we don't take time, make time, to spend with God. Then the problem is that your busyness has become more important, therefore an idol than your time with God. God help us. Not necessarily, you know, that busyness, oh, I got to do this and this, maybe nothing sinful in that, but because of our priority is to get that ton done as opposed to spending time with God in the morning maybe so he can help you get that done. I always find I have get more accomplished when I spend time with him in the morning than if I don't. Lord, I just don't have time today. And I spend a lot of days spinning my wheels. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Well, I'll raise both hands. 
Let's continue. Set your affections on things above and not upon the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's what's happened to these two in the last couple of weeks. They were made one with his death, burial, and resurrection. And as far as the world's uh, and the enemy's hold on them, they are now dead. He no longer has that control over their lives. They have the ability to tell the enemy and tell the desires to go take a hike. That's not King James, but you get the idea. Word of God says, resist the enemy and he will flee from you. You now have a resistor. Does that make that's, that's not King James either, but you get the point. You have the ability to resist evil desires. We all have that ability. Through the baptism in his name, for the remission of sin and the circumcision of the heart, he takes that, that he changes the desires of our heart. The word of God becomes alive to us. Before it was, I don't understand this. Now the Holy Spirit says, this is what it means. All of us have read verses time and time again, and then the Holy Spirit will read it, and the Holy Spirit says, bam, here's some light. And we go, I've read that dozens of times, but I've never read it. Now I understand it, because the Holy Spirit said, this is what it means. See, that's what the, the job, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to show us and reveal to us who God, who Jesus is. Hallelujah. said, I won't live, leave you comfortless. I will send you the comforter. And he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Hallelujah. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, uh, ye shall appear with him in glory. Then ye shall appear with him in glory. Mortify, the word means to put to death. Therefore, your members which are Upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness. Let me, let me read it out of the Amplify that I have in here. Um, yeah. Amplify says, kill, deaden, deprive of power. There's a good definition of it. Mortify it. Take away the power that that desire had before. Because you can do that in Christ. Before you were fighting against every fleshly desire, but the Lord Jesus came and killed that desire. Gave you the power to resist it. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. We no longer have to, just by sheer grit and determination, I'm not going to do that. Let me ask you a question. B.C. before Christ, 
in your life. Did you ever try to stop a habit? How'd that work? By just saying, I'm not going to do that. How'd that work out for you? Not so much. Why? Because you were trying to do it in this, your own strength. And your strength will wane. I don't care how strong your will is, it will, in fact, give up with a constant bar barrage of that desire. You've got to do this. Remember how good it is. Da, 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 da. The Lord's not the only one that has a still, well, he's more like a shout. You've got to do this. No, but the, the voice of the Lord says, no, you don't. For the greater is in you than all the world that's about you trying to draw you from me. He's greater. He's greater. So kill that evil desire lurking in your members. Those animal impulses and all that the earth, uh, earthly in you that is employed in sin. Everything I think that's a good description, animal impulses. We have a lot of, unfortunately, we have a lot of people now that seem to be possessed by animal influence. They kill people without even thinking about it. They rob from them. They just see something they want and they take it from you. If you resist, you may be dead. Well, that's the world. That's the epitome of the world. Let's continue here, please. Then he goes on and starts listing them. He said sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires. Oh, my God. And after, you know, all those have a tendency to be... And have you noticed that the sexual sin is rampant now? Rampant now. Just like the Holy Spirit kind of knew what was going to happen. So he wrote it down two centuries ago. Sexual vice, impurities, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness. We got a lot of that going on in this world. This kind of reads like the, the headlines in the newspaper. For that is idolatry, the deifying of self and, and other created things instead of God. Anything that we hold in higher reverence than the Lord Jesus Christ has become an idol to us, no matter what it is. I don't mean to be mean or so forth, but what would it take to keep you from the house of God? I know there's things that come up, but I'm talking about habitually. 
We need to be careful because the enemy will sow things in our lives that we have to do, and it just happens to be on Sunday or on Wednesday night. So we can't go to the house of God. It used to be that they wouldn't do school activities on Wednesday nights because people went to church. Many of them now have Wednesday nights fair game. Or, you know, tournaments and so forth. Sunday. Anything to pull people from the house of God. Well, blessed be his name. Let's continue here, please. Verse 6. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. All these things produce a wrath of God, a God's anger upon those that are unrepentant in those things that they're doing. Just as certain as his love and his salvation is, so is his wrath for those that live and produce sin in their lives. He has a place for both of them. For those that love him and obey him, he has eternal presence with him. We call it heaven or his kingdom. For those that don't, he has an eternal place called hell. I heard it described, hell is described of a place of eternal darkness and torment. No light being thrown in an eternal darkness because light is from God. And when you separate you from God, you separate yourself from light. And all you can hear is your scream and somebody else's scream eternally. Doesn't sound like a fun place to me. Well, thank be to God, we don't have to worry about that. If we continue in the faith, we abide with him. Blessed be his name. Let's continue. Let me read six again and go to seven so it makes sense. For which things say, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in, which, in the which we walk sometimes when our, uh, and lived in them. But now, verse eight, but now, again, I'll out of the Amplified, Put away and rid yourself completely of all these things, anger, rage, bad feelings toward others, curses, slanders, foul mouth, abuse, and shameful utterances in your, from your lips. Let me break something for you, to you. When the Lord purifies and saves your, your soul and your heart and your 
our new creation in Christ Jesus, your language needs to change. Your language needs to change. The way you expressed yourself before needs to change. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, my Lord and my, my Savior, and my Lord and my God. Are the words that are coming out of your mouth, are they acceptable? You got foul mouth, you got also, you got words of anger, words of wrath. It's not just cussing and, you know, swearing and so forth he's talking about. Is anything that's keep on walking over here. I'll walk over here. So I'm not picking on them. Anything that comes out of your mouth that is not wholesome and praiseworthy to God, I'm not, please hear me. I'm not saying, well, you God, we're going to bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm talking about. When you're saying things that are not right, not kind, aren't, you know, loving and so forth, that's corrupt communication. When you're talking things that are demeaning, when you're talking things that are, uh, that are rough and hurtful, those are not God's words. He builds up. He doesn't tear down. He only tears down what needs to be torn down. And if he wants to tear it down, you don't need it. Well, blessed be his name. Verse 9. Do not, not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old unregenerated self with its evil practices. That's what was buried here, the old unregenerated self, better, better known as our flesh, with all its, all its uh, evil desires. Verse 10, and have clothed yourself with a new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remodeled into a, uh, uh, remodel unto a fuller and more perfect knowledge of, uh, uh, excuse me, remodeled yourself into a, a spiritual life, uh, remodeled into a full, fuller, more perfect uh, knowledge upon the knowledge after the image and the likeness of him who created you. He's changing your perspective. He's changing who you are and what you're to be in him. He gives you a whole new perspective. How many have ever known people that they look at a glass of water on the midline and say, that's half empty? We call them pessimists. Others look at it and say, oh, that's half full. Same object, different perspectives. With God, it's not half full, it is full. The Word of God tells us little is much when God's in it. His purposing is greater and greater than we can ever imagine. Blessed be his name. 
verse 11. Where there was neither, uh, or made in his image created unto him, where there was neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bound or free, but all are in Christ. Uh, but uh, Christ is all in all. It doesn't matter what our background, what he's saying there is, it doesn't matter what your background is, where you came from, what your origin was. It's what, because now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and it, he doesn't care where you came from. He just is taking you to himself. The end is going to be the same for all of us. His presence, His purpose. Make sense? He See, because so many people, they're haunted by their past. And God says, your past doesn't matter to me. You are who you are right now in me. And my purpose is for you right now in me. And I don't care what was back there. I'll just take that and make it fertilizer and let you grow up in me. Your past may be a help for someone in the future where you can say, this is what I used to be, but God changed me. Now I'm this. So he can do that for you also. But he never holds your past against you. And by the way, you shouldn't either. Lord, I used to be this. What are you talking about? I don't see that on your record. All I see is I purposed you from the first breath you had. And if you can believe it, when that egg and that sperm got together, God says, I have purpose. I have purpose. And he starts drawing us. We may be running the other direction, but you know what? You can't outrun him. How can you outrun someone that's everywhere? Every time you run, you're going to run into him. He's going to make sure. Run if you want. But at the end, you'll find him. You'll run right into him. And his arms will be open. Verse 12, it says, Clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representative. We're handpicked by him. When we say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation, his purposings, his desires for us start moving in, in behalf of us. Until then, we were on our own. And how did that work out? Well, I did all right. Really? You're still lying to yourself. I know I'm being pretty plain today, but we can convince ourselves 
that the midst of, in the midst of our havoc that we're doing good. Because the enemy blinds our eyes to what position that we're really in and keeps telling us we're all right when we know on the inside we're dying. We're miserable. We have no strength. We are his picked representatives who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself. But in putting on a behavior marked by tender-hearted pity and mercy, kind feelings, lowly opinion of yourselves and gentle ways, and patient which and patience which is tireless and long suffering, and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. See, we can every one of us has our moments when we're in the midst of a situation where we feel helpless. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the enemy is, comes in, when we feel helpless, he begins to say, well, see, where's your God now? I thought he, he was promised for all things good always. Well, there are times, even with good intents, we make bad decisions. And those bad decisions have bad consequences. But God is still there saying, here's my hand. I'll guide you out. I'll pull you out. Too often we allow what we have been in the past to haunt us. And we say, well, that's what I always used to do. Well, you're now a new creation in Christ. You aren't what you used to be. You aren't what you used to be. Anybody, is this making sense to anybody? When you're a new creation, you've been remade. You have a new identity. Your name may be the same, but your identity is different. Because superimposed over your name is the name of Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference in the world. Let's continue. Verse 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel, has a complaint against any, even as Christ forgave you, so you forgive them. I'm glad the Lord doesn't hold grudges. Can we all say, oh God, I'm glad. I don't want him holding what I used to be against me. Verse 14. And above all things, put on charity, or the love of God, which is the bond, or the uniting bond of perfectness or completeness. And let the peace of God rule, rule uh, as uh, preside over us in your hearts, to that which is you are called to one body, and be ye thankful. Are you thankful God's called you to his body? 
Hallelujah. Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing everyone in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by or through him. And all that you do, do it unto him. Blessed be his holy name. Let's stand, please. All that you do in word or deed, do it unto him. Now, that may seem like mission impossible. It is in ourselves. But we can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens us. Father, we just ask truly you come and seal this word to our hearts. Lord, just emphasize to us, my God, that you are with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. Even in the times, my God, that we don't uh, seem to, um, when we've made wrong choices, my God, you're still there. You're still there with acceptance, still there with forgiveness. And, Lord, as we forgive others, you, you forgive us. So, Lord, we thank you that you are a loving God, a gracious God, and a righteous God. And, Lord, in ourselves, we can't attain unto your righteousness. But, Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit, which helps us, my Father. He's our helper. He's the one that stands beside us and, and guides us and protects us and keeps us and teaches us the ways of the Lord more perfectly. So come, O Holy One. Be with us, my God. Lord, we thank you with all of our frailties and all of our weaknesses, my God. You still love us. And you have given yourself for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. Bless this precious people. Keep them, my God. Keep them throughout this week. Keep them from the evil one, my God, and let your name be glorified in and through them. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Bless you.